Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. While our listener support campaign continues, actually concludes today, you can support the show on a one-time basis by mail to Adam Graham, P.O. Box 15913, Boise, Idaho, 83715. You can also become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month. You'll get a monthly newsletter form from me, and if you sign up by the end of the month, uh, you will also uh, be able to help choose our summer series for the amazing world of radio. Just go over to patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it's time for this week's episode of The Silent Men, the original air date, November the 18th, 1951, and the title is Heroin Source X. Wednesday, William Gargan as Barry Craig, Kenshin Confidential Investigator. Stay tuned to NBC. The NBC radio network is now entering its second quarter century as a leader in radio entertainment. Now it's Douglas Fairbanks and The Silent Men on NBC. The Silent Men, starring Douglas Fairbanks, Jr. The National Broadcasting Company proudly presents Douglas Fairbanks in The Silent Men. Transcribed stories of the undercover operations of the special agents of every branch of our federal government and their relentless fight against crime. This is Douglas Fairbanks. Do you know what heroin is? They call it the killer drug. It's an opium derivative, a triple essence of morphine acting on the higher centers of the brain and subtly destroying them. In the world of drug addicts, it's known as stuff, the white powder, or simply H. Of all known drugs, it is by far the worst. It can turn the most decent man quickly into a vicious killer or a fresh young girl into a hag in a few months. Its use is outlawed in the United States. Its presence anywhere is an invitation to disaster. For this reason, the Bureau of Narcotics recently dispatched a special agent on a secret mission to the Near East. His assignment? To destroy a suspected heroin source and thereby keep this peril from destroying American lives. The special agent on the assignment was Larry Thomas, whose name I will have the honor to assume in tonight's file case entitled Heroin Source X. As Special Agent Larry Thomas, I had been called into Washington from our branch office in Duluth. For three months now, I had been building a new folder on foreign narcotic source, so far designated merely as Heroin Source X. While building the folder, I had also been going to school. In the Bureau's laboratories, I had become a chemist, carrying out tests and lab analyses on every recent sample of illicit heroin the Bureau had been able to acquire. Finally, when the unrelated items in the folder began forming into a pattern, 
A report to the commissioner brought a personal visit to the lab. Let's see now. One gram to the, um... Morning, Larry. Um, oh, commissioner, good morning. How's it going? Well, pretty interesting, sir, but slower than I care to admit. Well, this is all pretty new to you. You would have had the report weeks ago if I could have put one of the departmental chemists on it. Oh? Oh, I had a reason for wanting you to learn all this by yourself. Well, I learned it all right. If there's anything you want to know about opium derivatives, I'm your boy. <laughs> I see you brought the folder. Yes. Now, let's see what I got it all here. Well, it looks like it, sir. Everything that's come in on heroin in the past few months. Plus your own reports. Right. Well, it's finally beginning to shape up, taking on direction. Well, that's what I felt, sir. I had a call from Boston this morning. Oh, Benson? Yes. A large consignment of illicit drugs was discovered on a ship there in the harbor. What kind of ship? A freighter from the eastern Mediterranean. Turkey? Yes. Uh-huh. You remember a few months ago, there were quite a few rumors about Turkey. They were saying you could buy heroin capsules like peanuts along the Istanbul waterfront. Of course, but there was never anything definite to back it up, though. Your folder backs it up. We've compared these tests you've been running on the seized heroin samples with control specimens from all parts of the world. Everything points to Istanbul as the most logical point of origin of the new line. Well, Commissioner? With ten times the number of agents we've got, we couldn't expect to keep the stuff out of the country unless we destroyed the source. So we're going to send a man to Turkey. You think he'd be welcome? I've already talked to one of the Turks on the United Nations Commission on Narcotics. Uh-huh. The Turkish government will jump at the chance to prove they're not just talking international cooperation. Well, how about our State Department? Well, we'll need clearance, of course. That's the first step. And the man for the job? You, Larry Thomas. Oh, now, just a minute, Commissioner. <laughs> what I know about Turkey is strictly limited to Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> <laughs> the chemistry of heroin is all you'll need to know. That's why I've had you doing this lab work yourself. You can expect to find heroin in practically any Mediterranean port, but you won't know when you've hit the mother load until you compare it chemically with the analytic findings of this new stuff that's being shipped into this country. Well, what do I know about language? Buy a book and learn Turkish on the way over? <laughs> From what I hear, you won't have to use it. English is compulsory in a lot of the schools over there right now. Uh -huh. Besides, Istanbul's a seaport. And besides that, there have been enough American tourists abroad this year to teach the natives all the English you'll ever need. Good. <laughs> Anything else on your mind? Yes. Just don't forget to let the Turkish police in on our little secret. I'd hate to spend the rest of my life in a Turkish jail. <laughs> when the State Department clearance came through, I took a transatlantic flight out of New York. And not quite 72 hours after I'd hailed a taxicab in Washington, D.C., my plane set down on Turkish soil. An hour later, I was stating my business to a young attaché at the American consulate, a fellow named George Stevens. Now, if there's any other way that we here at the consulate can be of help, Thomas, you won't hesitate to call. Oh, thanks, Mr. Stevens. You'll find reservations in your own name at the Park Hotel. Larry Thomas, American Tourist. <laughs> <laughs> kind of surprised. Thought you fellas always adopted some sort of concealed identity. <laughs> Not this far from home. Besides, it's hard enough remembering your own name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in the cable I received, I was instructed to put you in touch with the Turkish police. Oh, yes. I've arranged an appointment for you here tomorrow morning with the director of the criminal division, a Colonel Nadal Marouk. Excellent. Well, he should be a lot of help. Meanwhile, can I at least show you the city? Thanks. I think I'd better just feel my way around alone for just now. This is one of the most ancient cities on earth, you know. Yes, a lot of history here, and a lot of other things, too, I'll bet. <laughs> well, better get out and see a little of it. I'd be careful where I look, Thomas. 
especially after dark. Istanbul, a city of mosques and minarets, great palaces and crumbling tombs, a city of intrigue and mystery. I checked in at the Park Hotel, then took a cab around town to get my bearings. That night, I made like a tourist, and contrary to George Stevens' advice, I found myself strolling along the waterfront, along the Straits of the Bosphorus. Instinctively, I kept out towards the edge of the sidewalk, away from the walls of buildings and the dark shadows of doorways. Oh, hello, mister. You are American. Yeah, that's right. How'd you know? Lonely, maybe? No, no, just... <laughs> Taking a walk. Oh, all by yourself? Yeah, yeah. You wish maybe to have drink? No, no, thank you very much. I've just had dinner. Like for to see interesting place, maybe. Can see much thing for American dollar. Yes, I'm sure of that. <laughs> or maybe you interest in business. You like to buy something, maybe? You ask a lot of questions, maybe. Huh? <laughs> Can show you where to buy many things. Make lots of money. I'll bet. Or uh, maybe you interest in something for your pleasure. Like what? Like the little powder, maybe. What do you know about the little powder? Enough. Let me see your arm. Oh, no. No, you do not find the needle mark on me. Then how do you know about the powder? One learn many things when one have so many friends as I have. Sounds interesting. You will pay me if I tell you a place where the little powder is to be found. How much? I will make it cheap for you. The girl's name was Sadia. I couldn't tell her nationality. She spoke seven languages and her eyes hinted of the wisdom of 7,000 years. Yet for three dollars American money, she steered me to a little place called the Crescent and what she called the Little Powder. It was a typical smoke-filled coffee house, except this one had a floor show, the local version of Little Egypt, with an act that hadn't varied since the Chicago World's Fair of 1896. <laughs> I ordered a cup of coffee, thick and sweet, and bought a box of perfumed Turkish cigarettes and waited for Sadia to bring the contact over to my table. After the girl on the floor stopped dancing, Sadia came back. She had a man with her, a Greek she introduced as Kokanos. Ali Espera? He does not speak English, mister, only his native Greek. Have you told him what I want? He says he must talk with you first. About what? Either he has the stuff or he hasn't. You are assured your heart. What did he say? He says, do you favor our entertainment? Yes, fine, but tell him I'm not here for the entertainment. I'm here on business. Does he understand? Yes, mister. He understands. Well, does he want to do business or doesn't he? He is sorry, mister. It is not possible to make the transaction. What do you mean, it's not possible? I have the money. What's he pointing at my neck for? He likes the tie around your neck, he says. Well, that's easy. Tell him I'll give it to him. He says it is not the right one. Oh, mister, you had better go now. 
From Sadia's tone, I knew it was definitely time to leave. I got out of the neighborhood as fast as I could and took a cab uptown to my hotel, but I couldn't sleep. My mind was too full of questions about tonight's incident. The next morning at the consulate, I got some of the answers from Colonel Marouk, the director of the criminal division of the Turkish police. Mr. Thomas, there are two large producers of illicit heroin here in Istanbul. Of that we are certain. Any names, Colonel Marouk? Two only, and one of them you have already met. I've met him? A certain Greek, Kokanas, he calls himself, who frequents a certain place of evening entertainment known as the Crescent Casino in the Pera section. The Crescent? Talk about coincidence. No, no, it is natural that if one is seeking heroin in Istanbul, he will sooner or later find his way to the casino and Kokanas. But he was the fellow I told you about who kept pointing at my neck last night. Yes. Probably thinking of slitting your throat. No, no, he was undoubtedly looking for a sign of some sort. A type of password. That's it. What about this Kokanas, Colonel? He is without known occupation. His repeated presence at the casino is said to have been caused by his infatuation with one of the entertainers, a uh, a danseuse du ventre. I do not know the English expression. A uh, bell dancer, I guess we'd call it, Thomas. Little Egypt, eh? Kokanas (laughs) is of the one organization. The other? There again, we are not certain of the status of the man, but there is one Mustafa Dalkakirin, a Turkish national. Mustafa Dalkakirin. And where do I find him? He is often seen at the Eriko Bar in the Bayoglu quarter. Eriko Bar, Bayoglu. You may take as many of my operatives with you as you wish. Oh, thank you, Colonel. But with your approval, I'd, I'd prefer to meet this Mustafa for the first time alone. Bayoglu Quarter is one of the poorer sections of Istanbul. Two nights later, I found my way down there to the Eriko Bar, a small room below street level. A zinc bar five feet long and two marble top tables. That was all of it. At one of the tables, I found Mustafa Dalkakirin. He was easier to talk to than Kakanos, or perhaps tonight I was wearing the right necktie. American? You are an American? That's right. A friend of yours, a sailor I met, told me to look you up. Said we could do business. So? So, I want to do business. I do not make business here. You will come with me to my own restaurant, Guzaladana. Sure, I'll come anywhere. Ferid is there. Ferid? Ferid, he knows about Americans. Ferid will talk to you and find out if you really are an American. We took a taxi to the Guzul Adana. It was a big new restaurant in the Pera section, not far from where I had met Kokanas a few nights before. And in Mustafa's private office, I met Ferid. Oh, yes, he knew Americans all right. <laughs> he had once been a steward on a ship that docked at New York for all of two whole weeks. And in addition to that, I have attended an American school here in Istanbul. Yes, I've heard of it, the Robert College, isn't it? For two years, mind you. And this accounts for my so perfect accent. As you see, I have none. You do very well, Mr. Ferid. No, mister. Just Ferid. Very democratic, you see? Okay, Ferid. But you... You say you are an American. (laughs) Anybody can say that. But how do we know? Well, you've been there, Ferid. You should be able to tell. Precisely. 
And it is because of this that I am so valuable to Mustafa. Is this not so, Mustafa? Is so, is so. It's because of this that Mustafa places such great trust in my judgment. Find out. Uh, your, uh, your credentials, Mr. Thomas. Well, I, uh, I've got my passport. You see, it's got my picture. Hmm. Not a very good likeness, but you know how these passport photos are. It is you. And this is my driver's license from the States, Larry Thomas, Duluth, Minnesota. Duluth? What is the meaning of this world? It's a city. That's where I operate, near Chicago. Chicago? Hmm. What other cities do you know? Uh, oh, Detroit, St. Louis, Miami, Boston, New York. New York? Ah, tell me. What is the game that is played in New York? Quickly. I don't know, unless you mean baseball. Right. Mustafa, he is number one with an OK. Right, Thomas? Right, right. The man who's thinking. So, you say like this, Thomas. An American seaman tells you to find Mustafa. That's correct. And if you find him, you are ready to do business. Big business. Nothing less than 100-pound lots. That is 50 kilos. The name, the name of the American seaman. Hmm. Care to mention the name, Thomas? You know better than that, Farid. We don't throw names around in this business. The name, Farid? Could be the name of the American sailor was, uh, George Peters? Could be. And if the name was George Peters, from which hand is the finger missing? Oh, Sure. Uh, sure, about that finger. You yeah. wouldn't be playing with us, would you, Thomas? Why should I be playing with you? Answer, all right. Uh, 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 come to think of it, the finger's missing from his right hand. Sorry, Colonel Marouk, to break in on you so early in the morning. Oh, you are welcome here at any hour, Mr. Thomas. Uh, you have learned something of the heroin producer? Well, I'm meeting the top man in an hour through Dalkakirin. His name's Yasef. Remarkable to have accomplished so much in so short a time. The meeting place? The Gazul Adana. Uh -huh. Mustafa Dalkakirin's new restaurant. You would like company at this meeting, is it not so, Mr. Thomas? That's right. Yasef will probably take me to his factory. I... Would like to have your men there so they can follow us. As many as you wish. What are your requirements? A fast car parked at each end of the block, I'd say. Someone to watch the front door from the street. Well, that ought to do it. That and more will be stationed outside the Gazuladana in exactly one hour. Good, good. Just don't make it too many. Oh, by the way, Colonel, ever heard of an American seaman named George Peters? George Peters? Yes. Yeah. George Peters. Perhaps I have something here in my card file on him. It is important that you have information on this, Peter. It could be important to me. Ah, yes, here we are. George Peters, American addict, apprehended six weeks ago, smuggling narcotics into Turkey for his own use. Anything about his hands? What? Either of his hands have a missing finger? Ah, yes, I see, I see. Yes, middle finger missing from right hand. Oh, brother. What is it? Oh, well, my luck is running a little too good. <laughs> That's the second coincidence so far on this case. I hope there isn't a third. <laughs> Colonel Marouk suggested I be at least 15 minutes early to my morning appointment. 
In that way, the conference would be underway when his men took up their positions outside, and there would be less chance of their being spotted. It was exactly 10.15 when I walked through the empty restaurant to Mustafa's office at the Gazul Adan. You arrive early, Mr. Thomas. Too early, am I, Mustafa? You are not too early. Sit down. Oh, Mr. Kokanos. Right, Kokanos. Sit down. I thought I was meeting Yasef. I am also Yasef. And you speak English? I speak English. <laughs> Your name, I'm told, is Thomas. My name, I already know. How do you manage to keep track of him? I do not joke, Mr. Thomas. Where's Farid? Farid will be here when we need him. You wouldn't talk to me the other night. That is correct. I understand I wasn't wearing the right kind of necktie. Why the change? Perhaps it is because you are carrying the right kind of money. American dollars, quite a bundle of them. I must see your money. You'll see it after I've seen the good. You carry the money in this black case? No, that's a chemistry outfit of mine. I don't buy until I've tested the merchandise. I don't allow As soon as Farid comes with the car, we go to the factory. You can make your tests. He's late, Mustafa. Uh, that one is always late. The amount you require is 50 kilos, Thomas? If the quality is right. You are late, Farid. Mustafa, Yasef, do you know that half the police of Istanbul are out front? Police? They must have followed me here. I had a feeling Quiet. that... Farid, you are sure? That is why I am late. I have been watching them before I came in. The car is in the proper place? It was not seen. Quick, then. We live by the back way. Follow me, Thomas. We leave that pack of hungry cats to watch an empty bag. The plan had backfired. Instead of leading Colonel Marouk's police to the heroin factory, I was being taken there alone. After traveling at top speed through a maze of streets I didn't know, the car finally stopped in a back alley, and they rushed me through a door and down a flight of steps. I was hopelessly lost. They took me through a cellar, so dark I could barely make out the gas meter on the wall. And then upstairs to what must have once been a large kitchen, but what was now undoubtedly a secret heroin factory. And there, under the suspicious eyes of Mustafa, Kokanas, and Farid, I made my analytical tests. Very well, gentlemen. I'm finished. You are satisfied? The results of my test indicate a drug of great purity and potency. You are sure? Yes, I'm sure this is exactly what I've been looking for. You've no idea the adulteration this stuff goes through sometimes. That is no affair of ours. Uh, tell him, Yasef, the prices we have received from purchases in the American market. Three thousand American dollars the kilo. Three thousand? This is not cheap Indian or Iranian stuff. But 3,050 kilo lots. Ah, we'll waste time. Wait, Yosef. Uh, perhaps you will tell us the price you are prepared to pay, Thomas? 2,000. Cigarette, Thomas? No, thanks. You have a match? No, I... Here, I have a lighter. Oh, thanks. American, see? Yeah, it's a nice one. You must realize, Thomas that the impression you make is not a favorable one. First, you question the quality of our merchandise. Now you try to force down our prices. Sorry, that's all it's worth to me. Fifty kilos at two thousand. 
Very well. You have the dollars with you? <laughs> you don't think I'd be foolish enough to carry that much on me, do you? Bring the stuff to my hotel tomorrow. I'm at the park. I'll have the money waiting. We make no deliveries. All right, then I'll come back. Only you've got to tell me how to get here. The way your boy Farid drove us out, I got lost. You need not trouble yourself with directions. We will call for you at the park hotel tomorrow at exactly noon. And bring you here ourselves. As soon as we are certain, we are not being followed. This was it. Kokanas, or Yasef, was definitely the head of the heroin ring. I had found the source of supply. But I hadn't found a way to lead the Istanbul police to either. And I knew now they were suspicious. We left the factory down the same darkened steps. When we reached the cellar, Kokanis went ahead to open the door, and I stopped. Uh, hold it. Uh, just a second. What is it? Uh, how about another light, period, before we get outside? Eh? Sure, why not? But hurry. Over here, out of the draft from that door. Well, puff, Thomas. What are you looking at there? Oh, nothing. Just happened to notice the gas meter. We we use electricity at home. Come on. Mr. Thomas, I congratulate you. Excellent police work. Who would have thought to look for a serial number on that gas meter? Oh, thank you, Colonel Maruk. <laughs> it was my last chance to bring you in on the party. But to have one of them hold the light while you noted it. Excellent. The tough part was remembering it. 137-486. I, I kept saying it to myself all the way back in that car. <laughs> the address is in the Tepabashi section, number six, Sabashi. I do not think our little birds will escape this time. What are you planning, Colonel? When you and your companions arrive tomorrow at number six, Sabashi, some workmen will be digging a trench in the street, engaged, I think appropriately, in repairing the gas main. I am correct that the room in which you will meet overlooks the street? Right, I'm sure of that. Just so. Then when your meeting has progressed to the point at which you would like our company, you have but to make the slightest signal at the window. The house will be unobtrusively but completely surrounded. Sounds good. Remember, a signal at the window. And we shall be with you instantly. At half past one the next afternoon, I remembered. The Turks had been so interested shaking off a non-existent tail driving out that they didn't even notice the workmen in the trench in front of number six Abashi. Our meeting was proceeding according to schedule. Fifty kilos of heroin in one quarter kilo tins and a hundred thousand American dollars lay on the table. I picked up one of the tins and strolled casually toward the window. What are you doing, Thomas? Just want to look at this stuff in the light, that's all. You have tested it yesterday and again not ten minutes ago. Yeah, but I just thought I'd, um... Hey, what, what's wrong with this blind here? The blind is nailed down. Get away from that window, Thomas. Here, I, if I can just pull it loose a, a little at this side Mustafa, here. Mustafa, get him. He's the dog of a police informer. Put down that chair, Thomas. Stay where you are, all of you. Look out, he has a gun. You mean a rod, don't you, Farid? You are all right, Mr. Thomas. All right, Colonel Marouk, and very glad to see you. For the third time, my luck had held, and a few hours later in the American consulate, I was dictating a cablegram to the commissioner, Bureau of Narcotics, Washington, D.C. 
Okay, Thomas, fire away. I'll put it right on the machine. Thanks, Stevens. Um, able today, with brilliant cooperation from Turkish police, to buy pure heroin from source of recent large shipments to U.S. Source destroyed. Operators in custody. Yeah, great. That's just great, Thomas. It'll go out tonight. Thanks. Well, now that it's all over, how about taking me up on that offer? What's that? Do a little sightseeing before you go back to the States. I'd like to show you a little of Istanbul, one of the oldest cities in the world, you know. This is Douglas Fairbanks again. The elimination of heroin source X closes another chapter in the distinguished chronicle of our silent men. The special agents of all branches of our federal government who daily risk their lives to protect the lives of all of us. Next week, we will tell you a story involving a dangerous criminal masquerade in the file case entitled The Roping of Joe Landis, another venture undertaken for our protection by the silent men. The Silent Men is produced by Warren Lewis. Tonight's transcribed case was written by Mr. Lewis and directed by Walter McGraw. All names and places were fictional. Featured in tonight's cast were Bernard Lenro, Leon Jenny, Danny Ako, Gregory Morton, and Ilya Bracca. This is Fred Collins speaking. Douglas Fairbanks may currently be seen in the motion picture, Mr. Drake's Duck. Listen again next week and every week to other exciting cases involving the law enforcement adventures of the special agents of our federal government, for they are the silent men. Greer Garson and Joseph Cotton star now in The True Ground on NBC. Welcome back. Well, a very resourceful move by Agent Thomas to uh, uh, figure out a way to spot that meter. Meter number seemed a bit short to me, but I guess, you know, it was... 1951 in uh, uh, Turkey, and maybe they were that short. I, I think if uh, I saw my meter number in the dark, uh, I would have no way of memorizing it. But uh, I, I do like this. Again, I, I do keep coming back to Dragnet just because we did see so many uh, of those stories with undercover drug buys, and how this does contrast. Uh, and uh, I think the, the big uh, contrast uh, is obviously that this is working on an entirely different level. It's not only uh, that uh, this is uh, federal, but it's all the resources that uh, the federal government has available. 
In this case, they're going for, you know, a really big buy. And they're able to spend this time, you know, essentially training an agent so that he is going to be able to analyze drugs for purity on the spot and to have the resources to be able to make the request to go to the source in order to do the analysis. I mean, even if the LAPD did have time to train, you know, Sergeant Friday on uh, analyzing uh, drugs for purity, if he's just going to be buy, buying a kilo or something and asked to go to the source to, uh, you know, get out a chemistry set. That's not going to fly. But 50 kilos, you have more than enough uh, leverage to be able to ask to go in. And then once he gets to the drugs, it's just a matter of having the brains and the resourcefulness to do something that will ultimately make the difference, which, of course, he was able to do in this case. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Laura. Patreon supporter since June, currently supporting us at the Seamus level of $4 or more per month. Well, that will do it for today. Join us back here tomorrow, Public Domain Video Theater, and an episode of Federal Men. And then on Monday, we'll be back with Casey Crom Photographer, and Saturday, another episode of The Silent Men. In the meantime, send your comments to... Box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.